Hello and welcome to Inside the Admissions Office, the official podcast of Ingenious Prep and your go-to resource for expert admissions strategy. My name is Noelle, and each episode, I'll bring you behind-the-scenes knowledge from former admissions officers about their first-hand experiences reviewing applications. Our strategies have helped countless students gain acceptance to top universities, and we're here to help your student gain that competitive edge and do the same. If you would like to set up a complimentary strategy call, simply follow the link in our episode description, and our expert team of enrollment counselors will work with you to create a personalized plan for admission into your student's dream school. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me today. Now, I have a really exciting announcement I'd love to share with all of our listeners. USA Fencing just announced a groundbreaking partnership with us in Genius Prep as their chosen and preferred college admissions consultants. So in honor of this incredible partnership, I thought it'd be the perfect time to bring on Kevin, who is not only a former admissions officer at Ingenious Prep, but also has vast knowledge on all things sports when it comes to college admissions. He shared some great tips like this one. As a coach, I loved to see three things the student was working on in the next six months or in the next three months to get an idea of what their goals are and how they want to improve. That way, in six months, they could go back and say, okay, Kevin wants to work on his footwork. How is his footwork going? I can ask him about that. It's a nice talking point for the coach as well. And this. If I were a student athlete and I was applying as a fencer and I'm also applying as a psychology major, why not do a research project in the psychology or the well-being of a fencer and recognize that even though they're a great fencer and accomplished fencer, there is another side to the sport that is maybe not being highlighted or could be improved. All right, so for all aspiring fencers looking to fence in college, this episode is dedicated to you. I hope you're ready, and let's jump right in. Hi, Kevin. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. I know we have so much to chat through, and I have a ton of questions from student athletes for you today. But before we start, can you briefly introduce yourself, share a little bit about your background with our listeners? Sure. Well, I'm Kevin. I'm a former admissions officer from about eight different U.S. universities, to name a few, Cornell University, UC Berkeley, Tufts. Another thing that's important to reference for today, I was also a assistant coach for tennis at Tufts, which is an NCAA Division III university where I manage recruiting. And so my background is not just in admissions and counseling, but also in the recruitment for student athletes and helping them on their journeys to get to college while still playing the sport that they love. Fantastic. So to start, can you give us a general overview of what the college admissions process looks like for student athletes looking to get recruited for fencing? In a lot of ways, it's kind of like a two-step process because the fencing talent is evaluated by the coach. And the coach is the person that makes the recommendation to the admissions office based on what they see both on the fencing strip and also how the student is doing in the classroom, what they're doing for their activities. The coach is sort of the first step, and then the admissions office comes in second and does the formal evaluation, if you will, or semi-formal to formal evaluation at kind of the last stage. So when a lot of students are thinking about the admissions process and how fencing ties into it, it's really a two-step process that begins at the start of high school and into the first two years of high school is when it really starts. Wow. So to your last point there, that the process really starts at the first two years of high school, it seems like student fencers need to enter high school very prepared in order to be recruited, correct? Pretty much. I mean, we're looking at fencing teams of 10, 15 people, sometimes maybe max 20. 
there are not that many places on a fencing roster and students are competing against the world. So they have to get started early. Grade nine is really where the student can identify their interests, but also learn how to budget their time because getting used to the demands of high school, both socially, academically, personally, and adding fencing on top of that can be a challenge. Never mind if a student is fencing for their school or fencing privately, that's also something to factor in as well. Grade 10 is really where the results start to get looked at, especially at the national to international level. Grade 10 is the year to start targeting those stronger results because by grade 11, the conversations are already getting started right from the beginning, if not the summer before. And what can students do to prepare in advance to get these conversations started in grade 11? And is the approach and preparation for Division I schools different from Division Three schools? Well, like any good student doing their homework on these universities, because Division One and Division Three mean one thing in some sports. And in fencing, it kind of means something a little bit different. There are not that many schools that offer fencing. Some schools offer fencing for only one gender identity. And that can be awkward sometimes if a student reaches out to a coach and actually the fencing team is not for them, or maybe they don't have a fencing team or it's like only a club team. So really doing the research and understanding the vocabulary of the fencing world at the NCAA level. I went to a great university called Brandeis. They are technically a division three sports school, but they competed against Duke and Ohio State and Boston College, which are very well-known division one sports schools and one sometimes. So the division one and division three boundaries that a lot of students think about are not as clearly drawn in fencing as they might be in other sports. And so that means the recruitment process is not as defined by the divisions as much as it would be in another sport like tennis or like in baseball, where it's a bit more clear. It's not that way in fencing. Now that's not to say that the fencing recruitment process is any easier or harder in the different divisions. It's just different overall. Now, the scholarship conversation, which exists in Division One, still does not exist in Division Three. But in terms of competition, in terms of approach, it's not terribly different. The approach is still going to be competitive and needs to be planned well in advance just because of how competitive their overall admissions process is and how many students are looking to go to that school. Perfect. And I have a question from a student here. How do I know if I'm good enough to be reaching out to coaches my junior year? So in other words, how can students know if they're a good candidate to reach out? Students who are competing at the national level, who are competing against high-ranked fencers, if they're competing at a national or international level and doing well, they don't have to be winning competitions, but doing well in them and gaining that recognition, then yes, of course, they can be having conversations with coaches. But I do want to be fair. That's not always possible for every fencer. There are always circumstances that could be different for each fencer, and I want to be fair to that. But generally speaking, those fencers that are competing at the national or international level from grade 10 and onwards would be the ones who feel comfortable about reaching out. Now, when students do reach out to coaches, I know that students need to send an interest letter and a fencing resume. Can you walk us through what goes into that interest letter? What should students be including? A very well-versed introduction of who they are and what their interests are, because they are student athletes first and foremost. The student bit needs to be there as well as the athletic bit. So highlighting what they want to major in or what they enjoy. And then, of course, listing their statistics. So listing their accomplishments, their maybe competition results, the teams they fence with or the academy they fence with, 
of course, highlighting their discipline and then their goals. Because coaches do not expect students to come to them and say, I'm the number one fencer in my country and I've competed at the Olympics and all this stuff. That, that doesn't happen every day. So it's really highlighting that the student is looking to grow and this is what they want to do. As a coach, I loved to see three things the student was working on in the next six months or in the next three months to get an idea of what their goals are and how they want to improve. That way, in six months, they could go back and say, okay, Kevin wants to work on his footwork. How is his footwork going? I can ask him about that. It's a nice talking point for the coach as well. And how long should these interest letters be? I would say three paragraphs of three, four sentences each. Not that much. It shouldn't be terribly long. The coach might be intimidated by reading, you know, a long essay that might take up a few pages, especially because with the world that we're living in now, coaches maybe can look up the results of a fencing meet in the U.S. or they can do a search and find some more information as well. Great. And as we mentioned prior, students will also need to send a fencing resume in addition to their interest letters. So what should students include in their resume? Definitely highlighting the overall approach to fencing. And by approach, I mean, what is their training schedule like? What is their competition schedule like? And how was that created? Was it created because the student is working extra hard this year in school or they have more challenging courses? Highlighting those things that goes into building their schedule is very important. And if a student comes and says that, yes, I'm training 10 hours a week, but I also have to work, that's good for the coach to know. So highlighting that training and competition schedule, highlighting those goals, like I said before, I think one other thing that's always great to highlight as well is recognizing that fencing is a very demanding sport physically, but also psychologically. So how is the student also looking at themselves as a well-rounded athlete? That's another thing that should be highlighted as well. Fantastic. And I had a question from a student here. They asked, how valuable is it to make connections with coaches early on so they recognize my name? I'm going into my freshman year. Should I be reaching out to coaches now to build a relationship, especially if I'm looking to get recruited? What would your response be to this student? Is there a timeline you recommend? I just finished with a student who I worked with for four years, and we had been building those relationships and those conversations for three years up until he chose where he was going. And it is really about getting the coaches to recognize the name and doing that networking and having those conversations and making sure that effort is student-driven, that's really crucial as well. So really, I think grade 10 is that crucial time of when it should be happening because when coaches are recruiting, maybe at summer events or major events during the year, they see the name and they'll be like, oh, okay, I'll go watch them. Not because they want to recruit them for next year. It could be a two-year conversation. And do you feel like coaches are pretty receptive to student outreach in general? I won't lie. Coaches can be a challenge sometimes. I would love to say that coaches are going to respond to every single person. That unfortunately does not happen. But that being said, coaches want to hear from student athletes. And it's my belief that they will be seriously having communications with those student athletes that they want to have on their team. And is there anything a student can do to stand out to a coach when they're reaching out? I have a ton of questions here along the same lines of how do I grab a coach's attention and how do I get coaches to respond to me? So what is your advice here? It's really being personable, not informal, not casual, but personable. And showing that they are someone that will be a good team member and good to be around. I would say it's always impressive, like I said earlier, to see goals, but also to see where goals are not met 
and how the student is pivoting to meet their goals in the future, because not every accomplishment happened in three months, it might happen in six or a year. So what is the student doing to get there? That's something that I think is really not only professional, but also shows maturity, which the coach would want to see. Great. And let's say a student makes it through to the coach. The coach is really impressed by them. The coach has also verified the student's credentials and everything looks pretty good. At that point, does this student have an advantage in the college admissions process, even if, let's say, maybe their GPA is a little bit lower than what the school typically accepts? I would love to say yes, but it really depends because it depends on the university. It depends on their process and how they evaluate student athletes because they're very different. And it also depends on how many spots that coach has on their roster that year. And yes, there are many stories out there where student athletes did not have the highest GPA or the highest SAT score when it was applicable. But we can't write in stone and say that if you get a 3.7 GPA out of four and you're a fencer, that will help you get into this university. No, because there are many other factors. What I can say is that student athletes are generally not evaluated to the same academic criteria as every single other student that applies generally, but they are still evaluated critically and being good at a sport cannot make up for gaps in the application process. And I would say, especially at universities, which are very competitive, very strong in fencing, or who are just competitive in terms of admissions, athletic ability or athletic support from the coach may even be less impactful overall. And we briefly touched on this, but can you walk us through from start to finish what a college admissions process looks like for a potential student fencer? When the coach is recommending a student athlete for admissions, they have done that at least first phase of the vetting. So when the coach is looking at the student athlete, they know their school's situation and what they usually will admit for fencing and for student athlete. And when the admissions officer receives the application file, they know that a student athlete is being supported by a coach because usually they go through what's called a pre-read process. And that's an early review of their application, usually done in the summer before grade 12. It can be done throughout grade 12 as well, but usually grade 12 or that final year of study. Not every school will do this. Not every school offers it. Not every student athlete will get it. It depends on a lot of factors, but that does exist. So when it comes to the accolades, the coach is doing that initial review to pick the athletes that they want to support in the admissions process. And only then do the admissions officers see the supported athlete that the coach nominates, essentially. If a student athlete does not have the support from the coach, chances are they won't be reviewed by the admissions officer in the recruitment process at all. It will just be a regular applicant. So it's clear to me that the first step is getting the coach's green light to move forward in the process. But have there been cases where a student has the coach's approval, but ultimately gets denied by admissions officers? Unfortunately, yes. And while the coach may be blindsided in some cases, Division three schools are not necessarily in the same mindset of Division one schools, for example, or larger schools for athletics. They might not be able to support every single student because they are looking for a holistic class. So it has happened in Division Three. I've seen it happen with students that have gone through the recruitment process, both with me as a coach, as a counselor, even just myself personally. It does happen. And that's why I never like to tell a student athlete that they have a guarantee because they don't until that letter comes into their email. Because in the end, it is the admissions office decision, especially in Division Three, where the athletic support does not have the same emphasis. 
And going along that, what are some common mistakes that either aspiring fencing recruits or student athletes in general make when creating their college applications and how can they be avoided? Writing a personal statement about their sport. The admissions process is a full, complete pizza pie and every single slice should be something that's different about the student athlete. Their personal statement, their activities list, their academics, their testing if it's available. Maybe their English proficiency if they're an international student, the essays they write, the supplemental essays, the recommendation letters. But another piece gets added to the student athlete's pie, essentially, which is they're an athlete. So if the personal statement is talking about them being an athlete, they already know that information. It's going to be repetitive. And a student athlete also talking about their sport in their activities list. That's three times they hear the same thing. We know you're a fencer by now. We don't have to tell us again. Please don't. So it's really to look at the admissions process as a holistic admissions process. And while I totally understand that student athletes want to talk about their sport, they love their sport. They spend more hours playing it than they do sleeping and eating, I imagine. But don't talk about it in a personal statement, nor supplemental essay. It should be a very brief activities list entry. And then it could have a very small place in the application somewhere else, but it should not be a major focus of the application because that's where the academic side of the student needs to shine. What are they doing beyond the fencing pitch or beyond school? What are they like as people? Student athletes have amazing stories to talk about, both in terms of hurdles and accomplishments. Talk about those in another way, how they developed as human beings. That's such an important thing to highlight. Other things in the application process would be not giving time to putting together a strong application. Just because you're a student athlete, sometimes students think, oh, I'm recruited, I'm fine. My application won't be as polished. Well, there's a reject button there and they use it. I've seen personal statements that were half cooked. They were maybe only half the length. They didn't really capture what I wanted. I rejected them. And I told the coach, I said, I'm so sorry, but the personal statement was really just not there. They didn't put in the effort. And that's a respect to the admissions process and a respect to the university and the coach, I think, in the end. So treat the admissions process as seriously as they would if they were not being recruited. Perfect. So it's clear that the college application process is very different for student athletes. So when you're working with a student athlete now at Ingenious Prep, I can only imagine that the approach and the angle in which you're working with the student is very different, correct? Can you walk us through what that looks like? This is one of my favorite things to counsel students about. I get so excited about it. And that's to use their passion in what they're doing. So for example, if I have a student athlete that is a fencer, okay, well, fencing is an international sport. It requires diplomacy. It requires awareness of physical mechanics, kinesiology. It requires communication. It requires psychology. There are so many things that it requires. So if I were a student athlete, and I was applying as a fencer, and I'm also applying as a psychology major, why not do a research project in the psychology or the well-being of a fencer? And recognize that even though they're a great fencer or an accomplished fencer, there is another side to the sport that is maybe not being highlighted or could be improved. One student athlete that I worked with was also a fencer and wanted to study business. And I said, well, why don't you talk about the Asian Games, which is an Olympic-esque event. If they have fencing, talk about the commercialization of that. Talk about how that can be marketed. How could that be economical or not? And do a case study of that. Maybe make that a research project to work on an ingenious academic mentorship solely on that to still have your interest in fencing, keep it relevant, but related to your academics and create that nice overall persona, which is that, yes, 
fencing or the sport is a major thing in one's life, but so is their academic interest and they blended them together. So that blending of sport with academic interest or sport with community service initiative, that's a great way to kind of do two things at once and still enhance the application overall. And I think the student also enjoys that a little bit more because they can still stay in their world of fencing or of their sport, but then connected to where they're interested. Fantastic. And now to pull it back a bit here, because one thing we always say is to start early. So for our younger students listening who are really looking to build out a roadmap now to fencing college, what would your advice be for them? As one goes to middle school and into high school, it really is thinking about how does the whole student athlete come together? Because the admissions process is going to still be academic. So it's recognizing that whole process needs to be respected, even from grade seven, grade eight, grade nine, in terms of grades, in terms of school choice, everything like that. When it comes to other things like looking at the overall focus of the student athlete in high school, a lot of students will come and say, well, I'm in a school now, but they don't support my athletics. That has to be a conversation had in eighth grade. Because maybe a student has to go to a different school or an online school. So there is that to consider as well. I won't lie that sometimes schools just don't support student athletes in the way they need to be supported. Perfect. And now we've been talking a lot about those who are looking to get recruited for fencing in college. But let's say a student is an avid fencer, but isn't winning many competitions and fencing is more of a hobby for them. If this student were to highlight fencing in their college applications, would this give them a competitive edge or bring a unique angle to their application? Fencing can be a challenging thing to highlight in an application because ultimately, unless there are very clear lessons that are unique to the student athlete, it might not come across as effective as they would like, particularly if a school offers fencing and the student athlete's not being recruited. Then it comes out as a little bit like, okay, this is nice, but so what? And so what I like to tell students is highlight the major lesson and then give examples of where this has been applied. An example of that, I've learned about how to effectively manage my time because I've had to balance my fencing training and competitions around my academics, alongside my research project and my part-time job five hours a week. And that's allowed me to be more efficient as a student more effective with my time and be able to focus on what I'm doing every step of the day. That's a skill-oriented response to a question with fencing kind of tied in there a little bit. Perfect. And is there anything else you'd like to share about fencing and the college application process that we haven't touched on yet? Not every student athlete will be recruited for fencing, but that doesn't mean that the fencing journey is over. Students can walk onto teams when they arrive on campus. They can compete on a practice squad and then in year two get on the roster. Some universities maybe have small teams, they get a couple injuries, they need people. So if they don't get that coveted spot on the team, it doesn't mean that their fencing career is over. It just means it's going to look a little bit differently. And if a student athlete is approaching this process and says, I'm not at the level I want to be at with a university, that's where if a student is able to get into that university or really wants fencing to be a part of their university experience, it's adjusting a little bit to target those universities because at certain universities, the fencing team is small, they need people and they will be more flexible when a student's already on campus. The admissions process is the hardest part, the hardest door to get through. When a student's on campus, it's a bit different. There is no recruitment process anymore. They're already there. A coach might need them to be an epi fencer. Go for it. Come on. We'll train you to get there eventually. 
Fantastic. Thank you so much, Kevin. This was such a helpful and insightful interview. I know I personally learned so much today. But before we go, I do have just one final question for you. And that is, if you could give one key piece of advice to all student athletes, fencers or not, what would that be? Cast a wide net and drop the stigma. There are a number of universities for fencing. There are options for everybody. It's just considering those options and being mindful that if the sport truly is a key part of a student's university experience and what they want to see in that, then recognizing that maybe another university could be the right fit for them. They might be recruited at a university and if they really want to fence, they really want to compete, that's where they're going to go because they might not get that top choice. Not everyone can go to the number one ranked fencing university. So it's really casting that wide net, talking to many coaches and recognizing that Yes, maybe this university is not known to you, but it could be an amazing fit if one just gives it a chance. And I think there are some great institutions out there that people don't know about that offer fencing or that offer other sports, maybe even offer scholarships. So totally worth giving everyone a chance and not just saying, oh, I'm not interested. Well, how do you know until you give it a try? Because ultimately, if fencing is something one really wants to do in university and they might not get it at the university they go to, will they truly be happy there? No, they won't. And then that gets to a whole negative experience in the end. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you would like to speak with one of our experts, you can set up a complimentary strategy call with one of our enrollment counselors by following the link in our episode description. And for more information and access to additional resources, you can register for our webinars, which is also linked in the episode description. If you have any questions or would like to request a topic for a future episode, you can email me directly at noelle.kim at ingeniousprep.com. Thank you for listening to another episode of Inside the Admissions Office. And don't forget to follow the podcast so you're notified every time a new episode is available. That's all for now. And I hope you'll join me next time as we continue our journey inside the admissions office.